Before we jump into today's message, I just want to remind all of you that as a church family, we firmly believe that you will grow spiritually if you're involved in three things. The first is to make the worship of God a regular part of your life, like we do here at Greenbelt Online. The second is to find a way that you can serve other people and be a blessing to the church. And the third way is to be involved in a group. Now, we have a number of different ways that you can engage with other people from the church family here through life groups. Here on Greenbelt Online, at the top of this website, there's a, a link up there that says groups. And there you can see all the groups that are available for all the different stages of life. Let's say you've got teenagers who'd be interested in going to our Fusion Youth Ministry. You can find that there in the group link. Or if you've got kids and you want to have your kids participate in Kid Zone online on Sunday morning at 9.15 Eastern Standard Time, it's there as well. Or if you'd like to find one of our many life groups that meet all throughout the week, that's where you'd find them. I know this is kind of the season where a lot of the groups are winding down, but we really believe, especially in the days that we're living in, that these relationships are so crucial. Even if you only participate for a few weeks, it'll so help you kind of build more relationships with people from our church family and help you grow in your faith. So please make sure you do those three things. So we today are wrapping up our series, King for All. Since the month of January, we have been going through the Gospel of Luke. And so before I read today's text, just maybe out of my own personal curiosity, how many of you enjoy going for a walk? If that's you, just put that in the chat, you know, just kind of say, yep, that's me, love going for a walk. Um, I got to admit, I'm not a big walk guy. And in fact, for years and years and years, I really didn't like going for walks at all. Usually whenever I go for a walk, for some reason, I would get a really bad back pain. I'd get really bad knee pain, joint pain, things like that. So I just didn't enjoy it. I mean, that's probably why, you know, I've always been a cat person because you don't need to walk the cat. <laughs> you know, and even when we had gotten our dog several years ago, you know, the, the kids were going to walk the dog. Yeah, yeah, okay, I owe you five bucks. They didn't walk the dog. I had to walk the dog, okay? Um, but even as someone who doesn't normally enjoy a walk, I actually really love going on walks with people. And over the course of the past year, I've actually moved and shifted from being someone who doesn't like going for walks to becoming someone who actually greatly enjoys it as long as I'm walking with the right person. If I'm going for a nice walk with my wife, Danielle, or if we're going out as a family with Cameron and Samantha, even, you know, walking the dog was a blessing as well. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about walking, but I want to talk specifically about who is coming alongside us in our walk. And more importantly, where are we going when we go on these kind of walks? <laughs> As I said a moment ago, we are in our sermon series, King for All. We have been looking at the Gospel of Luke. And this was this Gospel was written by Luke, the physician. And all throughout his writings, Luke is proclaiming that Jesus is the Savior of the world. 
He is the long-awaited Messiah, that he has come to set the captive free, to bind the brokenhearted, to heal wounded hearts, and to give sight to the blind, that the lame could walk, that the deaf could hear, and that prisoners would come out of their prisons. And so this is kind of this ministry of Jesus that Luke just kind of brings us through. And Luke tells us in right in chapter 1 in verse 4, he says the reason for writing this, the reason for putting this down is so that we may know, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. The things that you have been taught about who Jesus is, of what Jesus has done, what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, and what Jesus will do when he comes again. These things were written by Luke so that you would know for certain that these things are true. And so I thought it'd be really good to actually continue the writings of Luke. So in the fall, we're going to jump to Luke's second book that he wrote in the New Testament called the book of Acts. Because this passage here that we're going to look at today kind of just abruptly ends. It just ends because Luke has another book to write. So this fall, starting in September, we're going to go through the book of Acts as well. We've laid a foundation about who Jesus is, and then we're going to go through the summer of growing in our faith, and then we're going to see how you and I live out our faith out in the world as we bring the message of Jesus everywhere that we go. And so today, we're going to be reading the last few paragraphs from Luke's gospel. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read right to the end. So it's a little bit of a longer chunk than than I normally read, but I just really felt um, as we wrap this series up, I just really wanted to kind of bring you right to the end of it, um, and then we can unpack this together to see and talk about our walk and who's joining us on our walk And where are we going with our walk? So uh, Luke chapter 24, encourage you to follow along in your Bible wherever you are. And if you are joining us here today at Greenbelt Online and you do not own a Bible, I would love to send a physical Bible to you. Digital Bibles are great. I use it on my phone every day. But I think for a family, there's something really nice about having a paper Bible in your home. would love to send that to you. You can email me, kevin at greenbelt.church, and I will make sure that you get one. So here, let's read Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. So it says, now that same day, so the same day is the resurrection of Jesus. This is on Easter Sunday. Jesus has risen from the dead. Women have seen him in the, you know, went to the tomb, couldn't find him. They saw angels there saying he's not here. He has risen. And so, and then Peter went to go check it out and they can't find the body. So on that same day, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. 
and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. But he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. Beginning, in Jeru beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send to you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So here we have the, the conclusion of the gospel of Luke. Again, Luke's purpose of this writing is so that you would know the certainty of the things that you have been taught about Jesus. And so this section here begins with a walk. 
It begins with two disciples on the road. We get the sense of how they're feeling. They're downcast. Their heads are bowed. They're in mourning. They're, they're hurt. They're confused. You see, everything that they were expecting the Messiah to do wasn't done. They were expecting that the Messiah had come to overthrow the Roman occupation of Israel. They thought the Messiah had come to bring a sword to defeat the enemies of Israel and to place Israel back as this prominent nation in the world. But instead, Jesus came to die, to die for the sins of all of humanity so that everyone so that everyone, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your income, regardless of your intellect, regardless of your social status, regardless of how the world perceives you, that the king has come, a king for you, a king for all people. And so we see these two disciples walking down the road when Jesus shows up out of nowhere. And then he does something fascinating with these disciples on the road. What he does is he points them not to his miracles. He doesn't remind them, hey, remember what I did? Remember what you saw? Remember how, what I taught? He points them back to their scriptures. It says that, you know, here in verse 27, that um, Jesus Kind of, uh, sorry, Jesus began with Moses and all the prophets, explaining to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then Jesus disappears. And then Jesus shows up again with all the disciples together, and they're in amazement. They're, in, they're kind of bewildered on what is going on. And then Jesus does something again, is he points them back to the scriptures right here in verse 44 it says that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the laws of moses the law of moses the prophets and the psalms is in both of these appearances of jesus he does something very very important that i believe is crucial for the follower of jesus it's to point the follower of Jesus to the scriptures, to point people to the Bible, the word of God. That's what Jesus is modeling here for his disciples. And so the big idea that I want us to spend our time together talking about today is this. Whatever road you are on, it should bring you closer to the truth of scripture should bring you closer to Jesus the King. Let me say that again. Whatever road you are on right now in life, and some of us are on very different kind of roads right now. I remember uh, I saw a meme on social media this week that has been that was kind of talking about the pandemic that we're in and people used the language of well we're all in all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. And I love this meme because the reality of it was, well, no, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. 
Some of us might be riding the storm in a yacht, and some of us might be uh, in a little kayak, and some of us might be in an inflatable dinghy, and some of us might just be having those little kitty water wings barely keeping us afloat. So we're not all in the same boat. Each and every one of us are kind of the road of life that we're, we are on right now for each of us looks very different. But regardless of the road that you are on, as a follower of Jesus, the road that you are on should bring you closer to the truth of scriptures that Jesus is the king for all. I want to just look at a, at a couple of verses here and then we'll kind of unpack this and look at how this plays out in my life and in your life as followers of Jesus. You know, so Jesus here in verse 35, uh, sorry, verse 30, uh, sorry, verse 25, not, not 35, verse 25, he says something to these disciples who are so downcast about the, about the death of Jesus. Is he says these words, to people in mourning, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. It's, here's Jesus kind of keep following the way he's been teaching before. It's, I've shown you this. I've taught you this. Why are you so slow to believe? Why are you so foolish? Like this word that's used here, foolish. Um, another way that you can translate that is to be unwise. You see, when the Bible talks about a fool or someone who is foolish, it means that someone is making decisions in their lives that are unwise. It means you know what you should do, but you're not doing what you know you should do. Or you know what you shouldn't be doing, but you are doing the very things that you know you shouldn't be doing. That's called living a life that is unwise, that is being foolish, right? Because the reality is for the disciples of Jesus's day and for me and for you, the reality is, is we can know a lot of scripture. You and I can know a lot of scripture. We live in probably the greatest age ever when it comes to being able to learn the teachings of the Bible. There are so many free resources online to help us learn and study the Bible. One free resource that I use, and maybe this would be a help for you in your own Bible study, it's a resource called eSword. And it's a completely free resource. You just Google E, the letter E, sword, you know, like a sword, It'll bring you to a website and you can download this, this Bible study app um, and what this thing does completely for free is every single word in there, you can pick out the Hebrew, you can pick out the Greek, you can get deeper richness of what these words mean that are sometimes lost in the English language. Right? We live in an age where there is so much knowledge available. But the problem in my life, just like it's the problem in your life, the problem is not a lack of knowledge. The problem is a lack of wisdom of not actually doing what we've learned about in the Bible, right? That is, so this is what Jesus is kind of reminding them here, that this isn't simply an intellectual exercise, that the study of scripture should lead to transformation in our lives. 
because here they are depressed and, and confused and they don't understand what's going on. And Jesus is saying, how foolish are you? How slow you are to believe. Remember all these verses? <laughs> Remember everything that Moses said? Remember everything that the prophet said about the Messiah? <laughs> You need to remember that, right? So it's not simply this head knowledge thing. It has to change how you and I behave. That theme, we can see that again and again all throughout the Bible. Uh, One of the best examples of that comes from James, James chapter 1. And he wrote this. He said, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person. There's that fool again. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And then he continues on at the end of this section, and he says, As the body without the spirit is dead, a faith without deeds is dead. That's why here, that's why here as a church family, we say our mission is that we want to be a church that is leading people in knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. We don't want to just be a church that's all about just increasing everybody's biblical knowledge and unpacking the Hebrew and unpacking the Greek and studying church history and filling up everybody's heads with knowledge. Knowledge is good. And knowledge is an important part of our development as followers of God. But if it stops there, if it stops at knowledge and it doesn't transform into living, if it doesn't transform into deeds, as James calls it, if it doesn't lead into changing our hearts for the people around us, if it doesn't cause us to pray and to serve and to love and to care for and to minister to other people, then that knowledge, that faith is dead, right? It's not the way Jesus wants us to live, right? We see that again, you know, where Jesus shows up to the larger crowd, you know, all the disciples together. It would have been just very easy for him to kind of say, no, it's me, look, and have a meal with them and just kind of move on. But he wants them to fully see this in the scriptures, was in the law of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament. It was in the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets. It's even in the book of Psalms, you know, the promise of the coming suffering Messiah. Jesus, again, points them back again and again and again. Jesus opens them up to the scriptures. That's why I firmly believe whatever road you are on right now, Whatever road you are on right now, that road should lead you closer to the truth of Scripture. That road should lead you closer to Jesus. You see, over the last 12 months, you and I have had to walk many different roads. We've had to deal with work challenges. We've had to deal with school closures. We've had to deal with health concerns. We've had to deal with differencing of opinions on every topic. We've had to deal with tensions between do you open, do you not open? What are the capacities? How does it work? How do we keep people safe? Should we keep people safe? Vaccines, do you do it? Do you not do it? There's so much division right now. We're all so walking on these roads. And 
what we tend to do in our human nature is whenever road we have decided to walk on, what we tend to do is to take the scriptures and then study the scriptures to justify the road that I'm already on. It's human nature. All of us, every single person reads the scriptures with their bias. I mean, here we can see the example of that from the two men, the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus, where, where, where Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? What things are you talking about? And it says in verse 21, um, so, but it says here, sorry, start in verse 20. It says, the chief priests and our rulers handed them over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Verse 21, but we had hoped. See, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, they read the scriptures based on their hope, not based on what the scriptures taught. They were reading it through their lens. You see, all of us do that. No exception. I think one of the most honest things that you can do on your spiritual journey is to confess that and to realize that. In one of the very first courses I took in seminary, the professor, you know, in a room of about 20 future pastors, the the professor said, every single one of you are going to approach the scriptures with your personal bias. All of you, no exception. Because all of you have past experiences, whether good or bad. All of you have a past church experience, whether good or bad. All of you have already made up most of your decisions and opinions on theological doctrine. Even if you've never studied it, I could teach a topic on anything, and your gut would automatically make a conclusion about it without any study. We all do it about everything. And what was fascinating in that class that I took with my professor, this guy became a great mentor of mine and has so encouraged me even to this day. And he held up a Bible in front of all of us up-and-coming pastors. And he said, every single time you open this book, you come face-to-face with the living God. Those were his exact words. He said those words to me, it's got to be close to 15 years ago. Every time you open this book, You come face to face with the living God. And then he went on in the lecture, and I'll paraphrase what he taught in that lecture, as he said, we need to be men, women, boys, and girls who let this point us to Jesus. That we let this change how we live. Not to use this to prove and to justify the conclusion that I already want. And it's a challenge. It is. It's a challenge because we all can do that, right? That's why we say here, like, we don't want you to just read the scriptures. We want you to study the scriptures. Like I talk to people so often where they say, well, I don't need to study it because the Holy Spirit will just give me the proper interpretation of the scriptures. Sadly, I wish that were true, but sadly, that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. Because if that was the way that the Holy Spirit worked, why would two Jesus-loving, Spirit-filled Christians come to dip two different conclusions about the same text? 
you would have to say, well, one person has the Holy Spirit and the other person doesn't. And oh boy, I'm not that guy to make that statement against somebody. Okay, got to be very careful with words like that. Right? It's not simply the Holy Spirit that does that. What Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit is that if someone tries to teach you another way to another path to God apart from Jesus, then the Holy Spirit will give you all revelation in that and say, no, that's not true. That's false. <laughs> that's what the Scriptures teach. <laughs> so we have to study it. We can't just take what it says. We have to learn what it means. And that's why free resources like eSword or the YouVersion Bible app or all the different great books that are available, commentaries. Uh, another one that I really love is ESV Study Bible or the New, Living Transl- uh, sorry, the New Living Translation Application Life Bible. There's so many great resources to help us dig this out. The truth of Scripture. Whatever path that we are on, whatever road that we are on, it should bring us closer to Scripture. It should bring us closer to Jesus. Just to share a little bit of a personal example in my own life, for every sermon that I prepare now, I don't have a difference between study time and devotion time. Um, I don't use that kind of language anymore when it comes to the Bible. Because again, what my professor mentor taught me is every time I open up this book, I'm coming face to face with God. So whether it's to prepare for a sermon, whether it's to read scripture with my wife and kids at home, whether it's just looking at the verse of the day on my YouVersion Bible app and share it to Instagram so that it could encourage someone every single time. There's no other purpose for me in it than to come face to face with God. And then if God wants to take that encounter to bless you through a sermon or bless someone else or whatever that is, that's up to God. There's no steady time devotional time. It's all just meet with God time. Let him change you. Let him work on you. Let him reveal himself to you through his word. So how can we do that? How can we grow more into that and and really let the scriptures speak to us that way? Well, I want to leave you with two questions that I think would be really crucial to ask yourself every single time you sit down to read your Bible. Now, this is kind of a discipline that I used to do years ago. I don't tend to ask these questions exactly like this anymore. It's become a little bit more second nature to me now. But some of you might find this incredibly useful. And some of you might feel like, well, I don't need to do that. Well, maybe if you if you suddenly get very tense, well, then maybe you do need to do it, <laughs> right? And that might be the spirit of God, kind of your flesh kind of fighting against the spirit. So two questions to ask yourself when you want to be reading and studying the scriptures. The first question is this. Am I doing this to justify my position, my hope, or my desire? Am I reading this? Am I studying this? in order to justify my position, my hope, and my desire. You see, remember, Luke has written all of this down so that we can know the certainty of who Jesus is. That is the purpose of this gospel, to know the certainty of who Jesus is. Now, Jesus teaches a whole lot of different things in here on a whole lot of different topics, but the purpose of all of those things is to point people to Jesus. Like he teaches on some things like prayer. He teaches on some things like fasting and serving, heaven, hell, a whole bunch of different topics. 
But for Luke, that's not the primary reason for writing those things down. The primary reason for putting those things down is to learn more about Jesus, to learn more about Jesus, to know for certainty who Jesus is, the resurrected king. And so this has been probably, even though I don't ask the question kind of in these words anymore, this has been my heart, especially over the last three months, because I see it online. You probably see it online as well. Um, there's a tension right now in the church. The tension of this pandemic has been going on for 12 months. <laughs> when is enough going to be enough? So many people are hitting the breaking point and they're frustrated and they're angry and they're hurt and they're lonely and they're scared or whatever feeling it is that they're feeling. And those feelings are normal. They are because of the road that we are on right now. But what I've had to do is really make sure when I'm getting pulled into these conversations about, well, why is Greenbelt doing this? And why is Greenbelt not doing that? Why have you chosen to do that? Why are you not doing this? And all of the things that could divide us. And a part of me goes, well, I just have to, like, if I could just get better at my, you know, ecclesiology, or if I could just get better at my eschatology, or if I could just get better at enter big theological buzzword here, right? And study it for that reason so I can justify the decisions I've made as a leader, to justify the position that I've taken as a family, to justify why I'm doing things the way I'm doing things. That I'm not using scripture for the purpose that Jesus says scripture is for. See, Jesus is saying, that he wants to meet with me, that he wants to reveal himself to me. And sure, he's going to teach me some stuff about, you know, eschatology and all these other things that are good things. I'm a big believer in the importance of sound doctrine. But sound doctrine comes from an intimate relationship with God the Father, given to me by God the Son through the power of God the Holy Spirit. That is where good doctrine originates from, from a good, healthy heart relationship with the living God, with my king who died for me and who rose from the dead. So I remind myself, am I reading this to justify my position? Am I reading this to justify my hope, my desire? Or am I reading this and studying this simply to meet with Jesus? There's a difference there's a difference. And I think when you focus on the right one, the other things will come. But when we focus primarily on our, on justifying ourselves, our position, our hope, our desires, we're off. We're, the path is not leading us the right way. So we do that. That's the first thing is making sure that we're studying and reading the scriptures in order to meet with Jesus. And then what do we do once we meet him? The second question that I would encourage you to ask yourself is this. Am I willing to have my thoughts and my behavior changed by this? Am I willing to have my thoughts and my behaviors changed by this meeting with Jesus? 
right? See, as Jesus reveals himself to the, to the disciples here, as he reminds them of the scriptures, the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, then what he does is he reminds them from that teaching of what God is going to do, that God is going to send them on mission, that God is going to continue the work that Jesus begun, that Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that Jesus has, the same Holy Spirit that Jesus did his miracles from, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, comes in believers in Christ. People who turn from their sin and turn to Jesus, saying, I realize that there's this holy God who loves me. I realize that my sin keeps me separated from him, and I want a different kind of life. I don't want to have to follow religious rules and traditions and guidelines to try to please this God because I've learned that none of that can please God. That it was only the death of Jesus that could do that. When we accept that, the Holy Spirit comes in us and then he equips us and sends the disciples on mission. Right? He says here, Jesus says in verse 47, uh, it says that he's, uh, sorry, start in verse 46, that the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And then here in verse 47, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. So he creates these witnesses who go in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then these witnesses see other people come to faith in Jesus as witnesses of God's work in the world. They get empowered by the Holy Spirit and they continue the work of going out into all the nations. You see, that work didn't stop with the apostles. That work continues with you and with me for every single person who has put their faith in Jesus. You have been called to the mission of Jesus. And sometimes in order to be fully prepared for the mission that Jesus has for you is we're going to need to allow the Holy Spirit to change my thoughts and to change my behaviors to prepare me for the mission. That's why we believe spiritual growth is so important. That's why I get so ah, I get so cringed out when I hear a Christian say, ah, my faith is fine. Everything's good. My relationship with Jesus is good. Everything's fine. In my house, fine is the F word. Okay? Fine's not good enough when it comes to our relationship with the king of all. Because God wants even more for us than simply a life of fine. He wants us to be fully engaged with the mission. Right? When we say our mission is knowing, living, and sharing Jesus, he just doesn't want you knowing and living Jesus wants you to share him with the people in your life. Jesus doesn't want you to just be sharing. He wants you to grow in your knowledge and to change how you're living as well. Like all three of these things are the discipleship process of Jesus, of growing in our understanding, of letting the Holy Spirit change how we live, and then going out on mission and blessing the world around us, whether it's just in our families, on our street, or being sent around the world, whatever that looks like for all of us, right? That's why. It is so important that whatever road you find yourself on, my prayer for you today is that that road is leading you closer and closer to the truth of Scripture, 
that it's actually leading you closer and closer to Jesus. Now, maybe there might be someone watching this service right now who you've never put your faith in Jesus and you've been on a lot of different roads. And I want you to know, regardless of the road that you're on, God loves you just as you are in this moment. God's not expecting you to clean up your life, get your act together before you can come to God. Because if that was how God worked, none of us would be ready to ever come to God. None of us could ever get our act together enough to come to God. But just as you are, God sent Jesus to die for you. That your sin could be completely, totally forgiven. And that you could receive that forgiveness of sin by simply praying, God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Today, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Forgive me my sin and make me new. And if you pray like that today, a little pop-up shows up here in the chat. I would love, love, love if you would just give us your name and your email address so I can personally follow up with you. It's not going to be anybody else. It's going to be me personally will follow up with you so that I can get some free resources into your hand and help you as you begin this new journey with Jesus. And for the rest of us, these two questions, every time you open up your Bible, you are coming face to face with the living God. And whatever you are dealing with in life, when you turn to the scriptures, are you trying, are you going to the scriptures to simply justify my position, my hope, or my desire? Be honest with yourself about that. I have been. I've been doing it. I can confess that. I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm human. (laughs) But I think as a church family, let's break away from that. It's not about proving ourselves to anybody. It's not about defending ourselves to anybody. But it's about meeting with God, hearing from God, letting God change our thoughts, letting God change our behaviors because of the time that we've spent in his presence instead of of trying to justify and prove ourselves to man. It's not worth it. (laughs) It's not worth it. And so for all of us, I pray that we would spend that time this week in God's word, learning more who Jesus is, of what Jesus has accomplished, of how he calls us and empowers us for his mission. And then we would let that spirit of God change us, transform us, and use us for his glory. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you uh, for your word and how it speaks, how it's alive, how it transforms us, how it challenges us, how it speaks to us. And God, I, I, I'm thankful for the gift of your word on how it points us to Jesus. Every book, every page in some way points us to Jesus, that he is our king, that he is the king for all people, and that you have called us and equipped us to be ambassadors of the king that we go out into our lives, at school, at work, in our communities, our neighborhoods, wherever that is where you send us, God. We go out as ambassadors of the great king, the king for all people. So help us, God, to love well as we go out into the world. Help us to serve well as we go out into the world. Help us to have a heart for the things you have a heart for. Have a heart for the people you have a heart for. 
And God, I pray that you would guard our hearts against that need to justify our own position or our own hopes or our own desires. Help us to even die to those things, God, so that we would have your position, your hope, and your desires stamped on our hearts. God, for all of us as a church family, continue to transform us. Continue to work on our thoughts, work on our behaviors, not so that we can please you because you are already pleased, but so that we can do the work that you've called us to do of loving the world, of being a blessing to the world, and to see more and more people come into a relationship with you, God, and that we would see their path be made straight as they follow you as well. So God, I pray that you would continue to bless us as a church family. I pray that you would bless the churches all over our city and around the world who are proclaiming this truth of who Jesus is. And I pray, God, that you would use your global church in ways that we can never even ask or imagine because of the certainty that we have of who Jesus is, the King for all. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.